Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 5. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. I am Jesse Leahy, and today it's my pleasure to interview Jane White, who is the Director of Talent Management for Forest City Enterprises. We'll be discussing one of several efforts she is leading to help develop and engage the employees at her company. As you may know, if you've been listening to our show for a while, my colleagues and I at Aspendale Communications partner with employers on internal communication strategies, and we're very busy right now helping with a number of strategies, and I wanted to share with you about Jane's initiative that we've been privileged to be a part of. As we discussed back in episode two, One of the six C's of engaging people is coaching, which is about helping them develop themselves from a personal or career perspective. And here's why this is important. If the people you are hoping to engage and lead are not learning and developing and seeing the potential for future growth, they are going to disengage. That disengagement may be active in terms of actually leaving your team, or it may be passive. They may, they may stay on the bus, but no longer put in the discretionary effort that drives high performance. On the other hand, if effective coaching is happening, if, if people are learning new things, if they can see where growing and stretching can open up future opportunities to make a difference, then you are more likely to have a culture that is passionate and, and highly engaged. So I've asked Jane to share her story and start with the context that led her to develop this strategy. So Jane, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. For the sake of listeners who may not be familiar with a job title like yours, will you tell us what talent management is? For Forest City Enterprises, talent management includes talent acquisition or or recruiting, and learning and development, our our workforce planning and succession planning and performance management areas. So that's kind of the the whole scope of what we do. So if you think of the employee life cycle, it's from when you bring a new hire into the door through how you help them to set goals and manage their performance relative to those goals and the expectations of the job, the learning and the development and the training that you give them, and then how you identify and develop your future leaders and you plan for the succession and the business continuity at the most senior level roles. Forest City is a developer and operator of real estate properties all across the country. What, what does that look like? Well, we do um, develop and operate different types of real estate properties. That could be shopping malls, office buildings, 
or residential communities um, like apartment complexes and even military housing communities on behalf of the U.S. military. We will, we will operate and be the manager of, of multifamily housing. And we take that from the, the conception phase with a new project where we will conceive of and design a new offering all the way through the construction and, construction and building and then the, the management of the property after it's operational. And these are long-term projects, not necessarily a, a property that Forest City acquires or builds in just a, a year or two. It, sometimes it, it takes much longer than that. It might take a very long time. I can give you two brief examples of, of um, some of our, our more complex and, and well-known projects. One is the Barclays Arena, the Barclays Center in New York City that's about to grand open. And this is an arena that has been built in in Brooklyn, New York, and will be the future home of the Brooklyn Nets basketball team, previously known as the New Jersey Nets. When the project was under consideration, you know, one of the things that you have to do with a, a new property is to make sure that you have tenants for that property. So if that's a shopping mall, it may be identifying national retailers that will commit to coming to that property. In the case of the Barclays Arena, it involved buying an NBA basketball team to make sure that it was a, a, a team that would call the new Brooklyn Arena home. And that's how Forest City ended up being the owner for a period of time of the New Jersey Nets. Uh, another example is uh, in Denver, Colorado, the old Stapleton Airport before the, the new Denver International Airport was built maybe 10 years ago. Um, the, the site of Stapleton Airport was what they call a brownfield site. It was an, an unoccupied site, and Forest City saw the potential in the location and working in partnership with the government um, took ownership of that site and built what is now a thriving community with something like 15,000 residents, um, shopping, office space, and several schools, and there are now you, there's now a, an entire community where there was once a, an empty and abandoned airport. So the these aren't the kinds of things that happen overnight. It takes a very long time horizon, and it takes very visionary um, people to be able to see the potential for these sites, to go out and engage in the public-private partnerships that are necessary to make these happen, to secure the funding, and to drive that vision forward to the point that you have a, a robust and an operating property. One of the things about Forest City that seems unique in the industry is your passion and talent for urban renewal. The company seems to have a gift for identifying properties, having imagination where other developers don't, and bringing back vitality to a, a given area or neighborhood. Absolutely. In fact, our, our company's vision is to be the real estate leader and partner of choice in creating distinctive places to live, work, and shop. And so we're, we're really about place creation. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that we've, we've never you know, built a strip center or a strip mall of some sort. We've, we certainly have done that in the past. But where we see ourselves adding unique value and really our niche is in creating distinctive places where people want to be. It's all about place creation. Those real estate development projects are exciting, but they are immensely challenging and, and complicated. 
when I talk about the scope and the complexity of what's involved in these projects and the vision that's necessary to conceive of it and the self-confidence to believe that whatever the hurdles are can be overcome, it's a tremendous kind of um, mental mindset that makes up the people that can do these things and do them successfully. Now, you, you put that against an HR organization that wants to centralize a hiring process or a, a procurement organization that wants to centralize the purchasing of goods and services. And you can start to understand the cultural hurdles that we're up against as as we we try to demonstrate to the business leaders that you can give up ownership of these things because this is not where value creation takes place. Let us do these things that we can centralize and do very efficiently and effectively, but giving up that control is not something that that naturally comes easy for these folks. (laughs) Well, efficiency has been a higher priority for many companies due to the recession, Companies involved with real estate have been the hardest hit. Forest City currently has about 3,000 employees, which is significantly less than before the recession hit real estate. What has been the impact from this recession on your employees and, and the culture? Well, it's it's been tough. Um, we've we've had you know through through attrition and through some some earlier reductions in force um, when things were were particularly challenged in 2008 and 2009, um, we've we've had to have smaller organizations. So we we shut off virtually all new development in 2008 and 2009. So if something wasn't already shovel in the ground, um, it was put on hold. And so we needed fewer resources in those areas as we kind of weathered the storm. And People have been just like every place. They've been challenged to do more with fewer resources. We are trying to um, to, to be more operationally excellent in everything that we do, and that involves uh, introducing new initiatives, new programs. And so, although we're smaller from an from an organization standpoint, and we're doing fewer large projects right now. We're still trying to do so much as a business, and it's you know it's caused a, a, a drain on resources. But from a talent management and a talent planning perspective, it's also created kind of a gap in the middle of our pipeline. So we have very very seasoned people, and we have very inexperienced people. But the the group in the middle was particularly hit by the recessionary factors. And we see that in a few more years, we've got a real challenge in front of us because as our most senior leaders prepare for retirement, there isn't necessarily a strong and robust bench right behind them that are that are prepared to, to step up and, and take on bigger jobs. And so that's one thing that we're trying to focus on in talent management is how do we better develop those people that are the, the upcoming successors to people who may be looking to retire in the next few years. You have mentioned two challenges that Forest City is facing related to its people. One challenge is a gap of mid-career talent because due to several years of recession, there was a, a lack of opportunity for junior employees to develop and advance. And so many left for opportunities at other companies. A second challenge involves the increased focus and operational efficiency that the leaner economic times has necessitated. 
And, and that also creates tension between the operational focus of management employees and the entrepreneurial focus of development employees. There's also a third challenge on your radar screen. In the past, our company has really operated very strongly as product-focused divisions. So we have a residential division and we have a commercial division, and there has not been much cross-pollination of talent and even visibility to talent in those other in the other divisions. And so one of the things that we're trying to drive through our talent review process and through the design of the development programs that we're putting in place is to get better visibility and better interaction between the divisions so that we have an entire portfolio of talent just like we have a portfolio of products to look at. Would you say that these challenges require a dramatic shift in culture? Our CEO makes makes takes great effort to reinforce when he talks about the necessary changes that we need to make that we're not looking or talking about changing our fundamental culture. And our fundamental culture is one that is very community service oriented. It's one that's fair. It's a very family oriented culture. And it's a culture that has always celebrated and been successful because of a spirit of entrepreneurialism. And I think my job in human resources is to subtly reinforce the message that entrepreneurial doesn't necessarily mean that I have to control every single thing that's related to my business. I need to control every single thing that's related to value creation for my business. But the things that can better and more efficiently be done in a centralized way, we, we, can, we can make those things centralized without giving up this, this um, entrepreneurial spirit that we have. And I think that, that that's, the, that's the message that the CEO is trying to communicate, and that's something that we're trying to reinforce through what we do. As you consider these three challenges, mid-career talent gap, operational efficiencies, and cross-pollination, what process led to your overall strategy and specifically to the development program that we'll be talking about today? We have a four-year strategic planning cycle that drives our direction and our decision-making over a four-year period of time. And we were just at the beginning of a new year, new four-year strategic planning cycle, so we wanted to make sure that our development program was building the kinds of capabilities that we've articulated as being necessary for making that plan successful. And then I also looked at some of these cultural elements that we need to um, continue to evolve. And so what that led us to, and oh, and on top of that, of course, we have budget challenges just like everybody does. So we had a program that we've been making an investment in that's already in the budget. And it was a program that was in, in sore need of an overhaul. So we decided to take that budget and that was already allocated and to redeploy it to this new program and are using as the foundation of the program our relationship with Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. And we selected a series of courses that are that are part of Case's um, professional development offerings through their, their graduate school of business. And that serves as the foundational core for our program in topics that are important for us from a strategic capability and an organizational capability standpoint. So 
change leadership is one of those. Um, being able to have the the appropriate influencing skills for um, somebody who's new to a managerial role. So awareness of emotional intelligence. Innovative thinking is something that's very important for us, obviously. So we have a course designed around innovative thinking. But learning professionals will tell you that only a small percentage of what someone learns comes from a classroom experience. The majority of the learning comes through the real-world application on the job. So we're incorporating a 12-month-long action learning project into this 12-month program. Um, the class will self-organize around a topic that's relevant to our business, and over the course of the 12 years or 12 months, they'll work on this project and at the end of the project have the opportunity to um, present the project to senior leadership for implementation into the business. This is going to do a couple of things. It's going to um, support our desire to have one portfolio of talent, or what we call one enterprise, by taking people from different parts of the business who may not even know one another, let alone have a working interaction with each other, and put them into this environment together where they're, they're learning and they're working and they're building something together. We're also going to give senior leaders greater visibility to um, our strong kind of early career talent by creating opportunities for them to see this class in action and to see this class present the output of the work that they're doing over the, the course of the 12 months. So that if we're sitting in a talent review meeting a year from now and saying, gosh, is there somebody from another div division who could potentially be a successor for this job, that business leader is going to have exposure to the people that are, are potentially future successors in our company. So who gets to participate in this development program? The target audience is early to mid-career professionals um, that are either in their first supervisory or team leadership role or we believe, based on their performance and their track record, that they're on the, the cusp of, of being a, a strong contender for a job like that. So we start with manager's recommendations, and the, the manager is aware of the time commitment that's involved for somebody who's going to participate. They make recommendations or nominations, and then the, the nominee spends some time talking with myself or one of my colleagues so that we can gauge their level of commitment to the program, gauge their level of commitment to their own personal and professional development, and we make a selection from there. So that's the process that we're in right now is the, the nomination and selection process. And with the program, we'll kick off in early November. Uh, we're going to start with um, a, an assessment, a survey assessment, an emotional intelligence assessment, in fact, as the first step because each of these participants will also have the opportunity to engage with an external professional coach at several points in the program to work with that coach on some personal development goals that will be established based on the feedback that, that they'll get at the start of the program. And then at the end of the 12 months, we'll do a, a post-program survey as well. Um, and HR will, will get the aggregate results from the group, not the individual results, but we're hoping through doing both a pre- and a post-survey that we can, can show change over the course of the 12 months. So they'll really have a chance to get to know people from all around the company in different departments and probably different geographic regions. 
and it's going to give them a lot of exposure. And do you think that they'll likely be bonded together to a certain extent over the course of the year? Well, that's that's certainly the intention, and that's the hope. I believe that the, the research would bear out that the cohort learning model is a very, very powerful, intangible kind of factor in learning. And I know when I've gone through experiences like that myself in the past, it's been very powerful when done right. This is a, a cohort group of about a dozen high-potential participants from a cross-segment of functions, And they'll spend a year taking leadership courses and working on an action learning project together. How did you let them know that they were being considered for this opportunity? Well, we spent a lot of time thinking about the the message that we wanted to convey, and we've we've been fortunate to work with some really great communications people that have have instilled in us the understanding of how important the messaging is, how you brand an initiative. So we spent some time thinking about something as simple as what we want to call this thing and what and how this thing, this program fits within the context of additional programs that we're, we're hoping to, to launch at a later time that will be targeted at, um, you know, at a, at a different demographic. And we made sure that we reinforced in our communications that this is something different and that participation in this is both a signal that, A, we think very highly of you, and B, we're expecting a lot of you as a result. And so we've been very clear from the beginning that there is a level of commitment with this program on both the part of the participant and the participant's manager, and that this is something that's above and beyond anything that we've ever offered before. And so there is, you know, there's there's some some cachet associated with with being asked to participate in this program. And the response so far has been outstanding. People are are very, very excited about the opportunity. Um, They're coming into the conversations with myself and my colleague, um, having given it thought, having done some planning about what they want to convey to us and what they want us to know about them. And it's obvious that we are tapping into a really strong desire on the part of our employees to have the opportunity for ongoing professional development. So you communicated it in a way that let them know that this is a really special opportunity and you attached a sense of importance from an accountability perspective. Absolutely. And, you know, from a talent management perspective, um, the big philosophical debate is always around high potential status and do you tell someone that they're that they've been designated as a high potential and it's a it's a healthy debate there's no right or wrong answer to that question uh i think and i think it does come down to in in some respects your organization's culture and the degree of readiness that there is and the the degree of boldness that you want to have because you're going to deal with fallout um if you do openly and broadly communicate that kind of thing. But there are ways to to subtly send the message that we, you know, we think that you're worthy of investment. Well, you have to make the difficult decision that you're going to offer an opportunity to only certain people because they have consistently demonstrated superior work performance and future leadership potential. You've got people that that aren't comfortable with the idea of 
differentiating people and offering different levels of development to different people. So you have the, you know, kind of the equality folks. We need to treat everybody exactly the same. And then, but in practical manner, unless you have an unlimited budget, you can't do that. You've got to signal to people what good looks like and and what you want good to look like for your organization. Um, and if and if everybody has access to everything equally, then there there needs to be some kind of of you know positive outcome associated with with going above and beyond and doing the right things and delivering results. Now, as I think about the seminars that these participants will be taking together over the course of the year, and you mentioned two or three of them uh, developing emotional intelligence and cultivating creativity. There's also seminars on uh, conflict management, change leadership, delegation, accountability and results, and others. Quite frankly, I'm not only excited, but I'm jealous of those. I, I just I love those kinds of uh, of learning opportunities. And there'll also be external coaching. There'll be a cross-functional learning project. So that's all exciting. And I can see how this program will make a difference for those participants, those 10 people, 10, 12 people, in providing opportunities for future growth and helping them break out of any silos that they might be operating in. But do you really think that focusing on 10 or 12 people in the early to mid portion of the career, can that really change the culture of an entire company? Well, I think just like one of our development projects, it's not something that happens overnight. I think you have to have a, a long time horizon on these things. And it's 10 people this year, but next year there'll be another 10. And the year after that, there'll be another 10. And, you know, pretty soon you're talking real numbers. And this is only one offering of several that that we're hoping to institute. And the early design for the, the other programs as well will incorporate similar design elements to ensure that we're getting the cross-pollination of talent, where we're building relationships um, across the boundaries of the company to really drive and reinforce um, our, our one enterprise approach. And so by by hitting first these early to mid-career professionals, um, you know, that, that was a decision that was partially made based on where we already had, you know, budgetary funds. The real world always always intrudes on the best laid plan, right? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, so we, we, ha- we have some budgetary constraints. We already had the money for this one. This one was shovel-ready, if you will, and so it was the logical place to start. Um, the, the, and hopefully, the next program is going to be geared at a more senior leadership level, and that's obviously the place where... Um, really meaningful shift in direction and in mindset can take place with the people who will be the next generation leaders. And so we're starting at kind of the mid-level. My my hope is that we do the, we get to the senior level next. And then the other thing that's under the umbrella of talent management, um, our talent acquisition group, hiring and selection, um, being being thoughtful about hiring people into the company that already, you know, kind of, of of fit the 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 formula that we're looking for is another logical output of our work and that's something that we're going to be focusing on in 2013. Jane, thank you for joining us today. Jane White is the Director of Talent Management with Forest City Enterprises based in Cleveland, Ohio. 
All right, leaders, that wraps up this episode of the Engaging Leader podcast. Be sure to tune in next time when we'll discuss the importance of understanding what motivates you and the people on your team. If you like our show, please rate us on iTunes. That makes a huge difference in helping more people discover it. Go to engagingleader.com slash iTunes. We would love to know your thoughts about this episode. You can leave comments on our show notes at engagingleader.com or connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter, where I am at Jesse Leahy. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers on internal communication strategies. Find out more at aspendalecommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Arthur Hankey, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about. <laughs>